in today's show. I'm going to look back at the top seven players that changed teams over the off-season period to date. The top seven players in fantasy basketball. Well, they're going to have an impact, I think. Michael Bolton, it's a long intro. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Quick shout out to the 20 or so people who joined me for a fantasy basketball workshop today, learning about my path into the media, um, things that I've done, tips for them, new ways to approach the NBA and fantasy basketball media landscape. So thanks to those guys who did join me on that today. Now, I butchered the intro to this a little bit in terms of what we're looking at. I'm looking at the players who I think are going to have the most impact for fantasy basketball that changed teams in the offseason. And I am recording this before. Anything has happened with DeAndre Ayton, anything has happened with Colin Sexton, or anything has happened with Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. I don't know if anything's going to happen with those guys. Maybe they're all back on their same teams. I don't know. But these are, I think, the top seven in no particular order, which I should have like a, uh, a drop for that of Troy McClure saying that in one of those Simpsons episodes. I don't know which. I think it's one where he marries, he marries Selma or Patty. I don't know. Anyway, that's getting off topic. Top seven guys that changed teams. A little bit of a chat about them. And I was really inspired to do this on some news that I saw about one of these players. So we'll talk about that in a second. And there's a name on this list that I have left right off, and maybe we'll talk about that as well. The number one guy, again, in no particular order, he was one of the first guys to change teams, in fact. But I can't do it. Actually, what am I doing? Gilly, let's go. Warney, that's who I mean. I'm, I'm discombobulated. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeremy Grant. He went to Portland. Yes, he did in that trade. And he will start almost assuredly, alongside Yusuf Nurkic, Anthony Simons, Damian Lillard. Is the three going to be Nasir Little? Is the three going to be Josh the Hitman Hart? That, that's what I'm not sure about. But Grant is going to be in a pretty solid position. Now, Jeremy Grant put up some numbers last season. He averaged 19 and 4 with a steal and a block, 43 and 84. He had 26 usage. That's not going to happen. He was the... 66th ranked player, that's also not going to happen. So you should not be considering him in 6th round, probably 7th round, probably 8th round. I don't know yet because I haven't projected everybody out. But I still think he's going to be a draftable player. But just look more back at the numbers that he was able to put up playing for the Nuggets, perhaps. Perhaps. Although I think he was in a little bit of a slightly different role there as well. He still will be pretty solid, but he might get an improvement in efficiency. He's never been a good rebounder. He's not a great passer. And you'll see a lot of drop-off there, but he is still going to be a draftable guy for fantasy as we move forward. Just, I think he moves into a role that's much suited to his abilities, and that role is not being the number one guy on a team. It's being the number three option, maybe the number four option, depending on how they see Yusuf Nurkic or how Josh Hart 
or Nasir Little progresses. But being a guy who can help score a little bit on the wing, can defend, can maybe work on a little bit of his ball handling. He doesn't have the greatest fantasy game. Again, given absolutely the opportunity to do everything in Detroit, wasn't able to be a top 50 guy. So if he doesn't finish top 100, I, I don't really think there should be a gigantic surprise with that. And I think a lot of the guys that move teams, and we're going to go through, again, some of the names that didn't even make this list, that our expectations of them maybe need to be reined in somewhat. If I go back to him in Denver, maybe that was the poor example. 27 minutes a night, 172nd ranked player. Jeremy Grant in OKC the year before that, 100th ranked player, 33 minutes, average 13-5 with under a steal, bit over a block on 50 and 71. I think that OKC number for him is more realistic than the Denver number where he played 27 minutes or even last year's Detroit number where he averaged 22 points with four rebounds. He is, again, a very poor rebounder, but can average a block, might get a steal and might get you 14 or so points. But the key here is going to be, can he get the efficiency up? Can he keep his free throw rate high? Because it just absolutely skyrocketed in Detroit. But remember, they put him in a, in a situation where, again, it was great to give him that opportunity to be the number one guy when you're trying to lose games and get draft picks. Um, but for a winning team, I'm not sure that really brings the level of success that you would necessarily want. The next guy, I wasn't going to have him on this list, but I am having him on this list, and that's Monty Morris. Monty Morris moved from Denver to Washington. And the prevailing sentiment is that Monty Morris's value has increased from last season. I have not projected it, but I'm not sure it's that much of a slam dunk as what it was. Now, the thing that I will say is that Morris played 30 minutes a night last year only. He started, all right? Played, but only 30. So in Washington, where your other point guard is Dillon Wright, actually, he's not a bad player, um... Yeah, maybe he plays 32 a night as a starting point guard next to Brad Beal. He averaged 12.5, 3, and 4.5 last season. He's an elite efficiency guy, but he never gets the line. 87 from the line with one attempt. Um, he had a usage of 17%. And the prevailing thought that I've seen after that trade went down was, wow, Monty Morris is going to be this gigantic fantasy winner because now he's out of Denver and he gets to run his own team. And to me, that is just not true. Actually, that's not that's not true because it is true that he's out of Denver. Does he get to run his own team? No. On that Denver team last season, it was Will Barton, who he is still going to be playing with. There was Nikola Jokic. There was like Austin Rivers at times. There was Jeff Green at times. Aaron Gordon was in there starting. No one there is a usage player apart from Jokic. You go to Washington... And Bradley Beal, does Bradley Beal approximate the usage that Jokic had? Maybe. Does Kristaps Porzingis exceed the usage of Gordon, Green, Barton? Yes, almost definitely. The one thing I will give you with Morris is I do expect his assist numbers to rise because Jokic orchestrates that offense. Beal has good assist numbers. Barton will still handle, but Morris might get an opportunity for his assist to rise. But this is not a slam dunk that he gets a usage that's soars into the 22-23 range from 17. I think it might stay similar with a bit of a bump in assists and a couple of extra minutes. He's still going to be draftable, but he is not a good fantasy player in general, 120th last season. And he does not have yeah, top 50 or top 60 upside, I don't believe. Because I don't think this is as much... Again, it's not just, wow, there's no Jokic anymore, so usage going to spike. Well, you've got Beal and Porzingis, who... You know, Jokic and Gordon or Jokic and Green 
versus Beal and Porzingis, Beal and Porzingis, they demand more of the ball. And yeah, Beal is still going to handle it quite a, quite a bit. So it's not as slam dunky as what it may have been made out to be initially. But it's still he's still going to be a pretty strong option and probably probably a draftable guy. I would I would expect towards the end of your fantasy draft. Rock Auto is always draftable when you're looking for parts for your car. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock everything you need. It's ridiculous. Why, and why would you go there, honestly? Like, you go, you get out of your car, which might not be working. That's why you need parts where you've got to borrow a car, get a lift there, get in there. Or, do, you, do you guys in America say get a lift or do you say catch a ride? Can I get a ride? Um, anyway, you get there, you line up, the bloke behind the counter condescends towards you. He charges you more for the parts, only with the brands they have in their warehouse. Whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet, Rock Auto has everything that you need. And you know what? They know what they're doing because they've been doing it for over 20 years, serving do-it-yourselfers online as a family business. So go to rockauto.com and find all the parts available for your car or truck. And in there, how did you hear about us box right locked on so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. The next guy, the burner, Jalen Brunson. Another one where I think I have heard people say, well, he'll be a top 50 player next season. I think he's quite a good player. No doubt about that. He was 87th last season. He played 32 minutes, 16, 4, and 5 with 0.8 steals and zero blocks. 50 and 84 on a usage of 22. All right, there's no more Luca. There's no more Luca, so the usage is going to go up. And yes, there is no more Luca. And yes, you will get more ball handling opportunities, and the 4.8 assists will probably rise. And yes, his numbers when he played without Luca were great. They were great because Luca wasn't there. The Knicks have Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, even Ivan Fournier. Have you ever met Julius Randle? We've seen him play before. How much does he love having the ball taken out of his hands? RJ Barrett really only thrives with the ball in his hands. There is an argument to be made that Jalen Brunson, yes, Porzingis was there, but for he was out for most of the year when he was in Dallas. For the majority of the season, Jalen Brunson was the number two option, clearly, in Dallas. Above average usage, Almost five assists per game. He was that guy and was really efficient with the scoring and hit 37% from three. There's an argument to be made that as he was the number two guy in Dallas and he's the number three guy in New York. Just pure usage-wise with Barrett and Randall at least being around the same mark. Would you Could you expect Brunson to be 26 usage and Randall and Barrett hover at 21-22? No, I, I don't. I don't see how that's possible. But yes, assists, they might spike. Five's already a good number. But maybe he's seven. He already played 32 minutes a night. So does that go up under Thibodeau? Maybe. But there is also, you know the bloke behind him? Has Tom Thibodeau met anyone that he loves more that isn't named Taj Gibson than Derek Rose? That's who's behind him. Emmanuel Quickly. Quentin Grimes playing really well. Evan Fournier is still there. How does that all go into those minutes? I'm not saying that Brunson's going to play 24 minutes but it's not an absolute slam dunk that he's playing 40 minutes a night, playing 27 usage and averaging nine assists. I don't think that's remotely close to being what it is. And there is an argument to be made that he goes from the second offensive option to the third, despite the big contract. I think there's an argument to be made. This is not, to me, 
the Malcolm Brogdon situation where Brogdon went from a catch-and-shoot, low-usage player in Milwaukee to being the guy that drives things in Indiana. This is not that to me because he goes from a number two, I think, to a number three. So yes, he's a really good option changing teams, but we have to, he's at real risk, real risk of being overdrafted, I think. If you are going into round three or round four, which it will happen, it, it definitely will happen. I heard Chet Holmgren going in round, round three the other day, to be honest, and I don't know why you're drafting at this point. Seems crazy. Um, that's insane. But if Brunson's going in that top 40 range, I reckon there's. it's not just as simple to me as translating what did he do in the games where Luca was out because that's him as a number one option, a number one ball handler, a number one, number one guy who's orchestrating. Whereas in New York, Barrett and Randall are orchestrating. Quickly's going to have it. Fournier's going to have a little bit. It's not as clear cut, I don't think. Hey, and if you want to argue with me, hey, go ahead, drop it in the comments below. They didn't pay him $100 million over four years to sit around and be the third option. That's cool. They're also going to play RJ Barrett more than that in his contract extension. He's going to get $27 million a year. So is he going to be okay sitting back on 20 usage? Randall, who they loved spouting, he was an all-NBA, all-star player. Is he going to sit at 20 usage? That's how you how that all meshes together. I don't know, but it's not an absolute slam dunk, clear cut case of Brunson putting up the numbers that he put up when Doncic was out. I don't think. Let's go to the next one, which is involving Dallas as well. It's the crucifix, Christian Wood. Um, is this a good move for Wood? I'm not sure. Don't think so. Um, because the news has come out. We've got the first trickle of news that when they signed 34-year-old JaVale McGee to a three-year contract on a player option, that he was being signed to start. I mean, what are you you guys doing? So you're going to start Christian Wood at the four, where, let's be fair, he sucked in Houston playing next to Daniel Tice. He was really quite bad in that role. So that's pretty weird. You're going to start him at the four after you trade. uh, Admittedly, didn't give up much for Christian Wood because his numbers may suggest that he's better than he actually is. And now the reporting coming out is that, no, 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 JaVale's going to start but Christian Wood's going to come off the bench. And while he will get a bit of a usage bump there, playing against second units, there is still somewhat of a limit because Maxi Kleber still exists on the bench, who is arguably better than Christian Wood. He's definitely a better defender than Christian Wood. Dwight Powell probably won't be in the rotation. But Wood might go from playing 32 to 33 minutes a night, which, is, what did he get last year? Pretty sure that's what he got. Now, before I just... Talk too much rubbish. No, 31 minutes. He averaged 18 and 10. He was the 83rd ranked player in large part because he's bad free throws. He blocked a shot. He shot 50 from the field, including 39 from three. Some decent shooting, but the free throws were a real problem. That's in 31 minutes a night. Now, the talk is that JaVale will start and Wood will still close games. Well, do you want him closing games when he can't hit free throws? And even if he's, that is the case... It's really tough for me to see JaVale starting and being a 13-minute-a-night starter or a 14-minute-a-night starter and therefore Wood plays 34 or 35. I think he might... Muxy Kleber played like 26 minutes, 27 minutes a night off the bench last season and maybe Wood does that. So while, yes, he'll be draftable and the all this alleged role that he's going to have definitely... Um, it, it definitely changes... Where's Obi going? It definitely changes some of the calculus that I may have had on him where he would have been their clear number two offensive option. Now, while Spencer Dinwiddie will get that tag, he'll get some minutes. But if he plays five few minutes a game, 
And reminder, he's not that good, Christian Wood, that playing four or five minutes fuel per game is not that big of a... It's, it's not that big of a deal in terms of team success. Where where, do that, where does that leave his numbers? He's still one of the better players to change teams and he's going to have a fantasy impact. But this talk of him coming off the bench, so they start Bullock, Dinwiddie, Doncic, Finney-Smith, and McGee. The McGee one is still crazy to me. Um, is going to leave him in a much, much smaller role with much more limited upside. That is going to be one of the big concerns there, I think. Now, I'll get on to talk about the other three remaining players in a second, but I've got to tell you about betonline.net, the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including NBA Summer League and, of course, Major League Baseball, which is going on All-Star Game, actually coming up very soon. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. We don't have the odds up for tomorrow's Summer League games, but there's one that's coming up soon. That's Clippers-Lakers. Clippers, four and a half point favorites. Both pretty trash Summer League squads, but the Battle of Los Angeles out there in the desert. If you want to get all of your odds for Summer League, BetOnline has it. And it remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, next guy. This one is an obvious one. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is really good. We can debate and argue about the haul that the Timberwolves gave up to get him, and it seems too much, but he's really good. And I think he's going to be basically exactly the same player that he was this last season. I really can't... Obi, what are you doing? I really can't see much changing for Rudy Gobert in Minnesota. Is he start, going to start to get huge offensive opportunities? I really doubt that. He played 32 minutes a night. Will he continue to do that? Almost definitely. He did suffer a decent drop in blocks, but he's still at 2.1. Um, he had a rise in his field goals, which might stick at that number. So I think when we look at Gobert, he's probably going to be the highest or second highest ranked player to change teams. Um, this is before Kevin Durant, of course. So, yeah, he's, but he's, yeah, he's a bit, is there a big change in what he does? Yeah, probably not. His impact will probably be more felt on what it does to Carl Anthony Towns and maybe there's an impact on Anthony Edwards as well. That's going to be something for us to watch to see what sort of impact that is. So that's sort of where I sit with Gobert on that. One of the better players to change teams for sure. One of the better fantasy players to change teams. But in terms of impact on him overall for his numbers, I'm not sure that that's really there necessarily. We've got two more to go. And spoiler alert, one of them is not Malcolm Brogdon. Now, I think Malcolm Brogdon is a really good player. I'm just you know, touching on that now. I think he's a really good player and he's going to really help the Celtics. But like Christian Wood, he is going to come off the bench and given his injury history, the fact that Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are all in front of him, the fact that he's playing on the bench with Derek White means that I'm not sure he's going to be draftable. And I don't think that he's going to be better for fantasy than the seven guys that I've got on this list. So he did not make the list of top seven players to change teams for fantasy basketball. So I just don't think he's going to be um, at that same level. 
couple of other guys, notable ex- uh, um, omissions, Will Barton, Malik Monk, because I just don't know how Monk and Herder and Mitchell all get enough playing time. So Monk's another one. The guys who I debated were Jared Vanderbilt and Patrick Beverly and even Malik Beasley. But the Jazz situation is still so unsettled. At the moment, Vanderbilt's in massive line to be a big winner. And he probably would have been eighth on this list. De'Anthony Melton also is another name who changed teams that I'm not sure gets as big of an increase as people think. Remember, they got PJ Tucker. So Harris plays the three, Tucker plays the four. Melton is backing up the one and the two. Not necessarily big, big, big minutes as some people may have anticipated early on in the process. So there's some names that aren't on this list. So who is? Who's the next one on this list? Well, is this one a surprise? Yeah, probably a little bit. Thomas Bryant. And I will preface this by saying this could very much not be the case. Thomas Bryant, it looks like the the Lakers are going to try and start him next to Anthony Davis. Now, as much as I just absolutely despise the idea of them playing Anthony Davis at the four, at least Thomas Bryant can shoot. He can't defend out on the perimeter, and I don't think he's a particularly good and long-term winning NBA player, but he can put up numbers. But if they do decide to start Tom Bryant and he plays 27 minutes a night, he's got a real shot at pushing, pushing, not pushing, pushing back into the top 100 for fantasy. But we saw last season how bad he was in comparison to Dan Gafford and Montrez Harrell. He wasn't particularly good at all. He is coming off an ACL, but he's also that player that thrived two years ago because the opportunity was just afforded to him to put up big numbers. And... Damian Jones is there for the Lakers, who might be an okay guy, but again, he he can't shoot. So how does that work next to Davis? So that probably does give Bryant the advantage there. If if we see and we get to September, October, and he is starting and playing 26, 27 minutes a night, he's going to be a draftable guy with top 100 upside, even though I don't love him as a player, and even though I absolutely detest them continuing to play Anthony Davis at the four instead of the five, because he might get hurt, the little man. He might might get get a little bit bashed up by all the big men out there, putting their big bodies into him. So there's a big opportunity for Tom who again is a horrific defender, but can block some shots and can shoot. And that's going to give him that upside. So I've got him on this list, although I'm not particularly confident on it. The opportunity there is really, it's really there for him to blow up. The last guy on this list, it's an obvious one. He was a top 10 player last season. 11th, DeJounte Murray. If you think you're drafting DeJounte Murray in the first round, I reckon you're going to be in for a rude awakening. Um... He was great. 21, 8, and 9. 28% usage. Shot 46%. He averaged two steals. But let me tell you a few things he's never done before. Average 28, or had 28 usage. Average nine assists. Average eight rebounds. Or averaged two steals. Or shot 46%. Never done any of those things. He will move to Atlanta. And him and Trey Young will take all of the minutes at point guard. But... Trey Young will be the guy, I think, that's prioritized with the ball in his hands. And yes, Trey Young theoretically can be a guy that can catch and shoot and be a spot-up guy. But do you want Trey Young, who is one of the best shot creators and passers in the NBA, to sit off ball so DeJounte Murray can run things? Who averages a lot of assists, but he's not a particularly good passer. He's not a great, he's a good passer, but he's not a great passer. So I think Murray's assist numbers, and look at what happened when he played with Derek White and DeMar DeRozan the year before. Assists were basically in half. Usage was like 21. Steal rate, 
somehow spike despite offensive improvement. So there is a massive chance that Murray goes back outside the top 50. You never, he's not going to fall that far in drafts. But if he averaged 17, 6, and 5 with 1.5 steals, it won't shock me in the slightest. He's still a really good option, and he still could be like the number three or four guy on this list for best fantasy players to change teams. But if you are looking at his numbers from last season and going, well, he's 26, he was an all-star, injury replacement, so he's just going to elevate and take another step forward, I highly, highly doubt that's going to happen. I cannot see Trey Young. You don't have two guys average 10 assists per game. And I don't think Trey Young's going from 10 down to 6 to accommodate DeJounte Murray. And there's a risk that that steal number, which elevated last year, had never been that high in the past, doesn't stick at that level. That's a lot of uncertainty for me. And also the usage at 28% with John Collins around, DeAndre Hunter still there, Bogdan Bogdanovich still on that team. Is he maintaining 28 usage? He had 28 usage and ran the show in San Antonio and they were well below 500. So I wouldn't say that that's a absolute guarantee winning formula to have him as that guy. Solid player, going to really help this team, but his fantasy numbers, which peaked at number 11 last season, would not be shocked if they fall into fourth round territory. Be be aware of that before you get too excited about DeJounte and we love him and he's exciting and he got so many triple doubles and he made an all-star because context is super important. And I think if you're looking at him as a first round guy, you're going to be in real trouble. If you're looking at him as a second round guy, I think you might be struggling there as well. I don't know that yet. They are my top seven players to change teams. Would you have someone else in there and who would you replace? Let me know down below in the comments and follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. For your second listen, get up to date with the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA is your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Leave the comments here on YouTube, subscribe. Help get me to 50K subscribers. That would be great. My next goal, if that's 100, we can get there. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.